about finally having everything you always wanted. Welcome to the DC Film Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us today, tonight, whenever you're listening. Let's get started. My name is Scott. <laughs> and my name is Tim, and we are the Squadcast. Scott, you're throwing me off, like changing a script that we've been doing for years. Well, we're doing a different kind of show tonight. This yes, is, we this are. Is, this is not a traditional DC Film Squadcast. It's not even a DC film that we're talking about because... We're doing a special Patreon reward movie review, and for that, we have brought back again Josh Barone. Hi, Josh. Oh, wait, is this not like, is this, I think I came in the wrong room. I'm not <laughs> supposed to be here third time, right? Oh, no, you're you're perfectly fine. Oh, am I? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on again. No, I mean, actually, this is, I think, the one that, uh, <clears throat> that I probably feel like you're going to feel the most engaged about, because with this reward, you get to pick a film that is near and dear to your heart, and we all watch it, yep. you know, separately. Separately, but then we get together and talk about it and review it. We separately put together. But we're, we're separate but <laughs> together. And this is a film, uh, and I got real excited about the idea of this one, uh, of actually reviewing this one, because this is one that I have not seen all the way through. And uh, well, let's just go ahead and maybe you can explain to us what film we're watching tonight. Yeah. Josh, you get intro. What what, what are we doing oh, today? man. All right. Well, we are talking about Gojira, 1954, directed by Ishiro Honda. Uh, the start of something that just never can never seem to die honestly this this it started a giant franchise off this one film it's the longest running franchise out of all the uh, i didn't know yeah it's considered the longest running franchise wow because there's been i i I read this earlier and i can't remember the the number but there's been something like 41 films or something or 41 different yeah i just oh it's on the wikipedia page i looked it up earlier it's like (laughs) yeah because if you if you you count all of them not just the, the japanese ones yes yeah 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 so I used to know the number, but it's grown since <laughs> since when I had last memorized it. So I'm a little off track. Yeah, but yeah, there's a lot. There is a lot. Yeah, so I mean, there's just there's just a ton of, of films in this franchise. So it's it's kind of amazing. This thing goes way way back in time. I mean, this is 1954, yeah. and and this is this is a Japanese film, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, this yep. is not you know this is not Hollywood. This is this is post World War II Japan, and we're talking mm-hmm. you know not even a decade after um you know some of the you know the bombing that was done to Nagasaki and Hiroshima, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by the United States and Japan. I mean, so this is like, you, you kind of need to know that fact if you, when you go yeah. to watch this film, because I mean, there's, there's a lot of really important, really important themes that are, that are uh, addressed in this film. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that theme is, is stuck with it through the entire franchise. It, it, it is lesser in some, but it, it, it makes a resurgence again in, in other, in other of the Godzilla films. Yeah. But. Yeah. 33 films in total. Mm-hmm. I knew it was 30 something. And it does, not only is it the longest running franchise, it actually holds officially the Guinness World Record. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it, it just tells you how amazing the whole thought, uh, you know, thought behind, um, you know, w- what kind of led to this film and just how much, how much of appeal it had. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just had tremendous staying power. And, and, you know, when I say that I haven't seen this thing, I've seen a bunch of different Godzilla films. It just hasn't been this one. Uh, the I've one. Seen, I, I, it hasn't been this one. And it's amazing yeah. how incredibly different this film is. 
is really because i've it's, seen i've seen the other yeah. ones you know where it's the you know godzilla versus all these other different monsters i mean i've mm-hmm. seen those mm-hmm. films those are the ones that i were in heavy syndication you know as i was growing up but uh, right. this was a treat i'm gonna tell you i you know as we get into this film like i i was really taken aback about how much i really like this film yeah and you know it's not just if, if you're a film buff like like we like three of us are and you love film this is on the list this th- this movie is it's so serious and you 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 think of godzilla now even with the movie that just came out you, you're not thinking of something that's so heavy in in context and metaphor it's yeah it's carrying a lot of weight on its back well and it, it's telling that this movie i mean i've owned this movie for years because it got a criterion release i mean and, and when and when the criterion collection releases a movie they're saying they're saying through their subjective opinion this film has made a mark yeah. this film is a landmark in filmmaking in one way or another and so i this is actually was my watching it for this review this is actually my second time watching the 1954 original because after uh on fans without borders plus on patreon when ray and i reviewed uh, godzilla king of the monsters i'd watched you know the the more recent warner brothers produced godzilla movie i saw king of the monsters and then at the time stars had the streaming rights to all the criterion uh remastered of the original godzilla films and now those streaming rights have moved to hbo max so i actually watched it on hbo max in preparation for this review and uh, in subtitles court yeah right well and that's something i want to say about this film too because uh, i i wasn't really fully aware of all the details in this thing but i mean this film was released in november 3rd of 1954 uh in japan and then it got a 1956 release in the united states and when i say release uh i i think we have to say that this was a heavily modified film yes. for the american audience they 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 looked at the they they were going to release it uh i believe eg suburaya said that it was always intended the toho and intended it to be a, a, an international film and going forward with the franchise the franchise was an international franchise um so but yeah america says okay you can show this japanese film uh which is talking about the war that we just had and uh it's talking about the bombs you just dropped on us so you know america being hollywood they're not they're gonna be like yeah no we're gonna have to put some of us into that into that film well and the in the american version is like only 80 minutes long they cut out lots of that context they yeah. even insert a english-speaking actor raymond burr it's raymond yeah. burr yeah into scenes i have not watched this version it's available on hbo max and it was actually a special feature in the criterion collection okay. just mm-hmm. as a yeah. just just as a archive of by the way mm-hmm. when this movie came out apparently they rewrote the dialogue so much that when that americanized version was then turned around and released in japan mm-hmm. they had to put japanese subtitles yeah. underneath it because they had changed what yeah. they were saying so much yep yep yeah they you know at the time it's just you know i don't i don't know that that was the mindset i guess you know we america's gonna be in this somehow we're not gonna show a purely japanese film in theaters after world war ii well i think it kind of follows a pattern of you know quite honestly what we've done in this country we things that we don't like to talk about we yeah. clearly have a history of sweeping under the carpet right we, we've right. talked about this most recently with uh the tulsa massacre mm-hmm. and uh you know it took it took watchmen to really kind of bring that out to the forefront you know the hbo yeah. max series yeah. watchmen and yeah. this is just another one i mean this is and who knows you know and, and i don't know if this was 100 percent a studio decision or if there might have been pressure you know from the government at the time who knows i 
don't know if there's more to that story, but uh, clearly they didn't want to have some of that very uncomfortable, some of the, some of the uncomfortable themes right. uh, explored in this film. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of serious moments cut out in that American version. Really? Yeah. And, I, yeah. and it's good to know. I'm glad you told me this, Scott, that this is actually on HBO Max, the 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 Americanized version, because I am curious about it now. I, I want to see that one. And it's uh, it, it's not bad. It, it's not a bad film. It's uh, but it's not enhancing either. Yeah. <laughs> so it, you know, it's there. It's part of the it's part of the Godzilla history. It's it's not something the fans like hate. Uh, it's it, it's just it's there and it, it happened. <laughs> yeah. Now, Josh, I have a question for you because I trying to pronounce Anglic Anglicanized versions of Japanese name can be very difficult time. I do know that the Godzilla franchise is divided into different eras. Yes. Could you take just a just a smidge to talk about those different eras? Because I could find it extremely educational as I have sort of started delving into this franchise. So it's split up into three so far. I haven't because new movies have come out and I don't know what they're if there's any official coin title for, you know, I've heard the legendary era. I've heard um, uh, the, the MonsterVerse era, but you know. Um, but the original um, era is called the Showa era, and that goes from 54 all up to, say, 76. It's about 13 or more movies, right? Yeah, something like that. Hang on a second. I just want to be sure. It ended with Terror of Mechagodzilla in 75, so that okay. was close enough. Um, and it was dead. The Godzilla movie had not been put out until 1984 with... Uh, uh, the rain no what was it it's godzilla returns i believe is the official title um and that starts the heisei uh, era the way they got these names is i believe it's from the the ruler or the the emperor yeah the emperor at the time uh that that's what they're they're named after and the heisei era went on from 84 till 96 he's such a baby scott yeah, wait, i am i'm a child <laughs> 95 so a year before i was born okay and that was supposed to be godzilla's final film <laughs> and uh that was the death of godzilla so uh then America doing good old American things. <laughs> uh, Roland, is it Roland Emmerich? Roland Emmerich, Roland yes. Emmerich, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, hot after Independence Day. <laughs> uh, I don't. I, I watched the documentary, but I don't really know how they started on wanting to do another Godzilla film. But uh, yeah, they were like, you know, what, let's do another Godzilla film and completely change Godzilla and ruin. Uh, just have it get hated by all the fans because that is not Godzilla. Yeah. So much so that Japan bought the rights to that American-made film and uh, that they renamed him Zilla. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they renamed him Zilla and uh, they basically had Godzilla beat his ass. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I know awesome. we're not supposed to. No, that's fine. Uh, ass is fine. So, um, yeah, so that in retaliation to that American uh, 98 American film, Godzilla, um, Japan, Toho Studios decides to bring Godzilla back. Uh, Godzilla 2000 was the, the, the name of the film and that starts the Millennium Era. Okay. And that goes all the way from 2000-2004 ends with Final Wars again supposed to be the last Godzilla movie ever but they they went all out in that film and had all these monsters crazy story Um, so yeah it went out with the bang and until 2014 that's when America released a real Godzilla movie yeah and yeah here we are well in the 2014 one really kind of uh, re-embraced all those original themes from this film so Mm -hmm. that's uh, to me that's that's somebody that's respecting the material you know yeah when you when you see something like that so do you 
Do you own all these films, Joshua? Yes, I do. Every single one of them? Yeah, I do. Oh, wow. And where does Shin Godzilla, because that started a new era. Too, so dude. Shin Godzilla was right after uh, 2014. I want to say a year after. Okay. I saw it in theaters. I was pretty happy with myself when I saw that <laughs> in theaters. Um, yeah, Shin Godzilla, it's, uh, I don't know his the director's name, but I do know it's the same person that directed uh, the anime um, Evangelion. And he actually uses music from Evangelion in Shin Godzilla. So it, it's kind of a cool little blend. Um, and it, it works with the, the style of the movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Shin Godzilla, they, as far as I know, they're not doing, they're not making a sequel to that. I read something that there's like some animation on Netflix though that's considered there are part of that. Three, no, it's not part of that. Okay. There oh. are there are three separate, uh, there's a trilogy of, of animated Godzilla movies. They're okay. The first one's really good. Uh, it's just, they, they, they kind of lose the plot a little bit on the other two. But um, yeah, those are their own universe and their own thing. Uh, but still part of the movies. Uh, but no, Shin Godzilla is a standalone movie. Um, it's It has the, the same serious themes, the same serious tone. It's taken with a lot more care. Yeah. Um, I've heard Toho saying that they want to try to do something, but I haven't really seen it happen with that. Though. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's great. So uh, is this your favorite one out of all of them? Uh, so it's to, it's the best one, honestly, because like they, they lose because the, then it just turns into like a, a superhero thing and the monsters beating the crap out of each other. Monster of the week. Yeah. yeah. So which is, is great, which is why a lot of people love it. It's why I love it, too. Uh, this one, though, I would say it's not my favorite, but I think it is the best. Yeah. Um, uh, my favorite is Godzilla Space Godzilla. But that is a completely different, <laughs> different, different beast in itself. So. I mean, but this this film is so important. Uh, I, I yeah. just look at what the intent was with, you know, what Godzilla was representing and the themes that are explored in the film. And uh, I, I'm just I'm kind of ashamed that it's taken me this long to see this film, you know. Uh, and of course, this thing wasn't available to us, you know, until like 2004. Right. I mean, I don't even think the 50, the original, 50 the original 54. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was reading that because I was I was shocked by that going. Wow. I did not realize that that wasn't even like a thing you could have. That was most likely don't I'm not I'm just putting strings together. Uh, I'm not it's not a hard fact, but I'm sure it might have been to promote Godzilla Final Wars because that was the year Godzilla Final Wars came out. And um, so that's might have been like the last big send off. Now America finally gets the the real version and uh, officially released. And that was also the same year that Godzilla had his star put on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Well, so who's in the star? It's Godzilla. It just says Godzilla. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I've seen it. I have a picture of me standing in front of it. Oh. They they yeah. It's cool. You could look up the video on YouTube. I'll and check it out. They have a guy. I think the actual actor from that played the in the suit in Godzilla: Final War is walking out, and they had somehow like a little breath effect come out of his mouth. It's really cool. That's awesome. I think the thing that gets me watching this movie, because like I said, this is my second time watching 54 original. I've never seen the Americanized version. I've actually watched this one and then the next two in the in the Showa era. Uh, was I think we've we've touched on this before, but how seriously mm-hmm. the material is taken in this film. Yeah. Like it is sh- one, I'm used to watching movies from the 50s. So I I will admit, and this is probably some terrible American prejudice or bias, but sometimes when you see films from other countries, there there's there is variations in quality, uh, variations in production. And I uh, I loved and appreciate the fact that watching this film from 1954, I, I could not differentiate it from any other film that would have come out in the 50s at this time. I mean, it its use of lighting, I think the music is great in it. Oh, the music's fantastic. Yeah. The music is amazing yeah. in it. Be careful, because I could just go on and about, about Akira 
Ifukube and his amazing score in this whole movie. Oh, I, I was going to ask, you, do you own his score? I assume you do. Uh, I mean, no, I don't, but I should. Uh, I would like a vinyl record of it. A vinyl, yeah. One, but yeah. No, that that thing that there's two things, you know, on the audio side that really struck me, obviously. The, the score was like iconic. It was it was like it was unique. It was good. It was it was something new. Like it was it was something very novel. I was really impressed with how how good the score was. And and it wasn't overused. Like you hear that in a lot of movies, like, you know, it, you're just kind of bombarded with the score throughout this thing. And, and when it came in, like it came on at really good times. You know, mm-hmm. when you get that Godzilla theme was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. The sound yeah. editing, uh, I thought was just iconic. I, I think the the little sound that they use to create Godzilla's roar, mm-hmm. uh, there's like, it, it, it's my, to me, it's like one of the most perfect sounds I think ever kind of created. And they actually did it, I think right. on a, a cello or something. It was a, it was a cello, it was untuned and they, they rubbed a latex glove yeah. over the over the cello and that gave the, the iconic roar it's fantastic it's i love it i love it my four-year-old even today was like daddy make godzilla make godzilla roar and like he was so excited because yeah. you know the best thing about the movies i can play it with the kids in the room like it, yeah like, it, there's nothing inappropriate about yeah. it you know what's crazy about that scott is uh i forget who said it because there, there's there's three people that really are accredited with with this film that's eiji suburaya e, sorry eiji suburaya that was the special effects director and then you have Ishiro Honda, the film director, and then uh, Akiri Fukube, who did the score. Uh, I don't remember which one of them said this, but I remember watching an interview, and uh, they remember looking around when Godzilla came on screen, and all the kids, they said they're, like, they, they, they were, like, a little bored, because, you know, nothing's really happening, but then when Godzilla shows up on screen, they said their face, the kids' faces just lit up, oh, mm-hmm. and they, they're, like, they, that's how that's, they said that's when they knew they had a hit on their hands, it's because it, this is appealing to everybody, and it, it's something about Godzilla and kids it's just so like I don't know what it is it's dinosaurs that's that's yeah. what it it appeals to that that almost every child goes through a dinosaur phase mm-hmm. and and Godzilla is dinosaur on steroids it's yeah, yeah. it so I, I see where it appeals to that and and when you were talking about you know the the, the quote boring parts for the kids it, yeah. it goes back to my my point about them taking this movie so seriously is because there is so much of this movie spent on you learning about people right and it was funny to me because being the American audience when people like complained about the Gareth Edwards 2014 version and they were like mm-hmm. it was all the people and there wasn't enough yeah. of the of, of Godzilla and then I go and watch the 1954 original I'm just it's like it's the same thing it's the same, it's the thing. same thing it's the yeah. same thing like it made me it made me appre- I mean I, I appreciate the 2014 version anyway right but right. it made me appreciate even more because it was funny hearing those criticisms and going you have no idea yeah. what you're talking about <laughs> never mind right yeah all these hardcore fans of monster movies they wanted to see monsters fight but what what gareth edwards was trying to do with that film is he's trying to bring back the spirit and the seriousness of um while also having monsters fight yeah. but uh bring back a little bit more of the seriousness yeah. to like okay this is what could happen and yeah no gareth edwards did a fantastic job with 2015 yeah. Yeah. yeah clearly it was a love letter to the spirit of um you know what honda was doing with this film you know you, you talk about the the fact that it's just like this giant like dinosaur like lizard kind of creature um i found it interesting as i was trying to get a little bit more background on this thing that uh, Ishiro Honda's original concept was to have like a, an eight tentacled octopus creature mm-hmm. in the sea. There, there's also uh, a sketch on, instead of him being like a lizard, there's a sketch of him with, uh, his head is looks like a mushroom cloud. A mushroom cloud, yeah. Like yeah. like they were trying to take the whole theme that was being explored. Put it really on the nose. Yeah, yeah. really on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I'm glad they went with this one though. This no, I mean, it was, it was absolutely <laughs> a great choice. And, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, and I think it was, was one of these things where 
what wasn't at the studio trying to like push into this direction, which is, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's, it's good to have outside people come in and, you know, kind of nudge you a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. It's such a, such a great film. And I, and I loved how they revealed um, Godzilla and this thing. And it, and I think to me, that's, that's what kind of made this thing so iconic. It, it didn't come out and just, um, just suddenly reveal Godzilla. It was like tease, you know, you, you first get the, yeah. the, you know, the merchant ships, I think, or military mm-hmm. ships. I don't remember. What, I think it was a military ship originally. It was, it was a fisher boat actually in the very right. beginning of the, the film. First one was a fisherman boat. boat okay right because the military boats later when they start attacking him with depth charges yeah. right yeah well anyway just like uh you get this thing like you you get this water just kind of like mm-hmm. swelling up off in the distance yeah. and that's all you kind of get and then you get the yeah. um it's kind of like atomic breath yes that's the official term yeah but yeah it's 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 radiation just channeled out of his mouth like and it comes out like fire and that one kind of threw me off at first because i like i've always seen godzilla depicted like breathing fire like flames coming out and then when i saw this i wasn't exactly quite sure what i was seeing at first and then i realized i'm like oh that's literally like you know that's really like a fiery uh breath that's coming out yeah it's so it's one of those things with black and white it just doesn't really jump out as you Mm. jump out at you as much but yeah in uh godzilla king kong vs godzilla which is actually the third movie that's when it's like you see it in color because that was the first movie in color it it still kind of looks a little white and then uh i think in i forget when exactly it it turns straight to blue it might be godzilla versus mothra but yeah they just end up making it blue because it's not supposed to be fire it's supposed to be radiation radiation yeah Yeah. that's what that's what was that's what i it finally kind of clicked to me like that's what that's what i was really seeing Mm -hmm. well going back to that even talking about like because godzilla's a guy in a suit Mm -hmm. i mean that you know that's 200 pounds scott what 200 pounds that suit weighed oh because it was all rubber right it's a bunch of stuff but yeah he even fell over while filming and they like they had to go rescue him because they couldn't get him up he's done he's had a lot of accidents yeah and that actor uh, why can I not remember his name? That is not good of me. Um, what a poser. <laughs> Haru, Haru Nakajima. Sorry. It's Haru Nakajima. Yeah, he, he died in, I believe, 2017. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, I remember uh, when finding out he died. Cause, but yeah, he uh, he was the one in the suit. And um, yeah, he said that thing was heavy and it was filmed in the summer. So it was hot. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, 200 pounds, Scott. Jeez. He said he once they put the thing on and sealed him up, like <laughs> I read something like he can only be in there for like a three seconds I, I can't imagine like i'm sure it had to be longer than that but like basically the idea being once he was in that suit like he didn't have long before he was going to pass out more more accurately scott 220 pounds so oh, add, adding a little bit more to that just my more gosh. torture to the man yeah. oh my goodness yeah well i mean the suit looks good especially yeah. if you consider the time period it, it's a good looking suit and it works well with the miniatures and the models that they mm-hmm. i mean there's only a couple of times and i don't even think i spotted it the first time i watched the movie i, I spotted it this time where mainly it's like when it's um odo island and you know when the when the storm the comes helicopter mm-hmm. yeah yeah the helicopter and that that was the one time that was like okay those are miniatures all right mm-hmm. yeah and that really looks like miniatures i always notice it when you see w- w- water splashing that's the one they can never quite because the the water droplets are just too large you know for miniature sets so the yeah the yeah yeah the uh whenever he's in the water it's actually just tank yeah he's just in a pool yeah in a 220 pounds <laughs> oh my gosh nothing dangerous there did, uh, uh, can, I, can I ask you something Scott did you tell or YouTube soon because you watched it with your daughter a little bit uh, did you tell them that they were miniatures oh, of course not yeah, of course no. not oh, my, my kids don't care right no sure no my daughter knows it my daughter recognizes it oh really did you like without you telling her yeah, oh yeah because my daughter got really into stop motion so she'd be making all these like oh, stop okay. motion videos with Legos and all that yeah. And, yeah. you know there's great apps on the iPad to do it and so like her, both her and my son 
son make all these stop motion pictures. And mm-hmm. so they, they always recognize the stop motion. And uh, we didn't quite get to the stop motion in this film to where my daughter would have seen it, but I guarantee she'll recognize it. Right. Uh, but she, she understands the whole thing about miniature sets and all that. Like we've seen, uh, we've seen stuff on that. I, I watched the Ray Harryhausen documentary, yes. yeah, okay, yeah. which is, which is a great documentary about some, you know, some of those early special effects. Um, yeah. So like she's seen all this stuff. So <laughs> when I watched this as a kid and I, I didn't see this one, this wasn't my first Godzilla film ever watching. The first one I ever watched was Godzilla vs. Gagan and um, seeing it, there's not many miniatures on that film because that's when they were lower budget. They're basically just on a desert. Um, but I, I would look at this as a kid thinking like, how did they do this? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just like, how? but, but how, how are they getting them to destroy these buildings? And then I forget uh, when it got, when the magic got broken for me and they were like, oh yeah, it's just a miniature set and the guys in the suit. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But um, yeah, the, that, the technique actually has a name it's called tokusatsu and that's that's making miniatures yeah in, in japan and fun fact about those miniature sets is uh yeah they built one they didn't make copies of those sets so once it was destroyed guess what you got to rebuild it and refilm it if you didn't like what you got and that's with all of those movies and like the tokusatsu that basically kind of set the tone for filmmaking in japan mm-hmm. you know from yeah, this film it yeah it really kind of set like this is how you do these things and it's it's kind of amazing well and i feel like my first real experience with it was watching either like Ultraman or Power Rangers mm-hmm. and kind of seeing that you know what those techniques became in like the 80s and the 90s mm-hmm. and kind of I think that's also what makes me go back and watch you know Gojira from 54 and going guys did it better back then <laughs> you know you actually there was actually time and yeah. care that was that, yeah. that was a little bit more than you know what I remember from some you know TV shows I watched as a kid mm-hmm. yeah I mean it was it, it was really fun to watch that uh, going back to like revealing Godzilla though I, I I really liked what Honda did in this because they didn't they you first got that first tease with the swell in the in the ocean or the sea and then you didn't really see anything and then you see the big footprints when they're you know going to investigate what happened on Odo Island and then you yeah. get this thing where they're ringing that bell mm-hmm. and saying you know something's happening like for some reason they know Godzilla's there and they're all running up the hill for some reason and then yeah. you finally get the reveal of Godzilla off yeah. the background and it's like I, I could the totally puppet. see why that would have been shocking maybe not shocking but just like the the way they teased it it just ramped up the enthusiasm and the excitement for like what else is going to come like you just see in just this little bit of a head and like what's going to happen what's going to happen and it was done so expertly well to kind of pace it out and and just give you these little teases and then give you a little bit more next time well and the thing was is that when they stop and you get the human drama for like what 20 30 minutes like it's like Mm. Godzilla doesn't show up in his own movie for a huge (laughs) for huge chunks which makes the 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 moments and the scenes where he does show up yeah that much more special yeah, yeah. well yeah because then they talk about like after that scene they talk about how he sh- you know he sunk like another 17 ships and they're trying to hide it from the public and and so it, it's i you know i really enjoy all that slow play you know with all the character development and this whole the whole thing i, I found really interesting was that little love triangle thing going on here which i'm going to be honest i i did not pick up on the first time like okay I mean, oh really it, well i got confused i yeah like, I, I knew okay. there was like two different people i'm like well wait a minute with the guy the eye patch oh he was the fiance because i i originally thought when i first saw you know when i first started watching it um that the 
uh, and I can't remember his name. It was uh, Ogato. Ogato. It's Ogato's it's, the ship it's, captain. Ogato. Ogato. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the salvage ship captain. Because it's Imiko is the the young lady. She's the daughter of the Emiko's professor. The daughter. Yeah. And then Sarazawa was the the scientist. The patch. Right. And so like at first I I was a little confused. I thought they were the two that were supposed to get that were getting married at the time. And I mm-hmm. thought I thought Ogata was like the um I don't know. I, I was confused. I didn't know if he was like the son, you know, the soon to be son-in-law of the professor or if he was the associate with the professor. And it turned out it was the other. It was Sherizawa. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. The American version literally just lays all that out for you. Oh, <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, they're, she's supposed to get married to Sherizawa. But uh, yeah, she doesn't. She, she's she, he's, he's more like a brother to her. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they lay it out for you. If I was to lay out one criticism, that was the one thing that uh, I, I didn't quite piece that together until later in the film. Well, and I think my I would share some criticism. I also didn't quite see. And maybe once again, this is just the American in me. I didn't see why it was important to the plot of the film. Like that was like one little complication that as a casual viewer, I just like following that thread and, and like why why was it significant to the overall story? I, I think it's to, to maybe make his uh, his death at the end more a little bit more meaningful because it's meaningful to her because he's he was a childhood friend and she grew up with him all of her life and he suddenly sacrifices himself for the yeah. greater good at the end. It's probably just to add a little bit more, you know, emphasis on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think the love triangle um, really kind of plays that role because you could see that with Emiko, uh, mm-hmm. how torn she was because she had somebody that clearly her father wanted her to be with. Yeah. And I don't know if it was like an arrangement, but it was it was clearly like that's who her father approved of, you know, because mm-hmm. he was, you know, he was a scientist. He was in the same kind of like, you know, was like her right. dad, you know, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, she wanted to be with the, you know, the cool salvage ship captain. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's it's kind of a relatable story, but ultimately in the end, uh, I, I think that made Serizawa's, uh sacrifice so much more meaningful in the end, because like, I, I think even in the end, like he he wanted those two to be happy. Like he, for him, yeah. it was more important. And and he he tells Ogata that before he dies too. Yeah, he, says, he does. Be he happy does. together. Yeah. So for like him, he, he saw it as like, you know, I discovered this thing that is so incredibly dangerous if this gets into the wrong hands. I mean, clearly, you know, speaking to this, you know, oxygen destroyer, the oxygen yeah. destroyer, <laughs> you know, making a parallel with like the, you know, the hydrogen bomb. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, and so his sacrifice was like, you know, even though um, I could have this or I could have this in life, like ultimately my life is going to be much more important if I go ahead and sacrifice myself and make sure nobody else can get their hands on this technology. I don't know. I think right. ultimately it, it really worked for me. Yeah. I also appreciated the Easter egg that the oxygen destroyer showed back up in Godzilla King of the Monsters. <laughs> so that was tweeted way before the movie showed up. Uh, I forget the, the director's name, but he he put out a picture of the oxygen destroyer and he basically said like, yeah, you expect this King of the Monsters. And it was so long ago when I saw it and it happened in the movie. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot this is supposed to be in here. So yeah, it's cool. Funny story about that. I remember uh, watching this with somebody and they were, they were like, oh, that's weird. Destroys all the oxygen in the water, huh? But there's no oxygen underwater. And I looked at him and I was like, uh, <laughs> you ever heard of H2O, bud? <laughs> How are fish, fish are surviving? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, um, I mean, well, let's talk about some of the themes that are, you know, real important themes that are explored in this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the whole idea of the atomic age, the atomic age and this, you know, indiscriminate destruction that Godzilla is doing to the people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of Japan completely in parallel to the in, 
indiscriminate destruction that the the hydrogen bombs did to Japan. Right. Well, it wasn't hydrogen bombs for uh, they Japan. They were uh, atomic bombs. Atomic so, bombs. Yeah. Oh, those those weren't H bombs yet. No, no. no okay. No, those those were atomic H bombs. H bombs is actually what inspired the film because uh, Eiji Tsuburaya was flying over the Bikini Atoll Islands, and that's when they were testing testing it. Oh, the hydrogen okay. bombs. Okay. So so that that's when he got the the idea for the theme. Gotcha. Right. And then, but but then you also have the theme of nature fighting back. Yes, mm-hmm. Godzilla can be seen as a analog as analogous to the dangers of atomic warfare, but you can also see the sense of this is what happens when man messes with nature and nature messes back. Yeah. Right. Because the whole point is, you know, this is something that, you know, for a for a layman who gets introduced to this franchise, sometimes you you mistakenly think that Godzilla was created by the atomic experimentation Mm -hmm. where at least in this original film Godzilla is this ancient dinosaur creature that the only reason he's come to the surface is because the bomb testing has destroyed his habitat and now he's come up to the surface to you know he's cranky yeah and he he also gains the that's where he gets his abilities is actually from the hydrogen bomb and the radiation uh, I think uh, uh, what's his name Yamano the the father the professor Yamane Yamane Professor Yamane yeah. Uh, he 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 says we. I don't want to kill him. I I want to study him. This could be huge because then because he's resisting this radiation, it, it could change mankind. It's gonna make it's gonna make radiation like nothing. You know, it's gonna it, it it would strip away the the world of these atomic weapons. Right. Which also brings in this whole idea of like science versus the military or science versus the government. Like right. You know, right. Here's someone who has this pure scientific mind, and when he's dealing with people who are like, how can we kill it? How can you know? You know, it is is a threat. It must be destroyed. Yeah, I mean, it. This is one of these things. Like after watching it, like you know, I'm gonna want to go back and watch it a second time. And as I watch it with my daughter, I'm gonna be sitting there really listening and you know, of course, reading. You know, all the things that are being said about, um, you know, about the the you know the the hydrogen bomb. Uh, that's the threat. And then also like all the things they're saying about you know all the destruction that Godzilla's, uh, you know, uh, all the all the destruction that Godzilla's doing on to you know the Japanese people and all that and and really kind of listening because there's there's so many things that are being said there and I felt like I, I missed a lot of the stuff until later in the film where I really started kind of picking up on that theme a lot more right yeah there's there's two parts that really uh, get me every time and they do told two totally different things the the one is obviously is just really a really tragic scene when Godzilla's destroying Tokyo uh, it's a daughter literally just, just flames around her or not a daughter it's a mom with her daughter and her son and there's just flames engulfing around her and she says we'll we'll be with daddy soon everything will be okay and yeah. then it stays there for a little bit just in fear and surrounded by the fire and it's like that's a powerful scene that one's real powerful another one i like a lot uh is where it's just people on a train and they look at a newspaper and they're like what is this godzilla crap like we we just dealt i just dealt with evacuating from a war i don't want to evacuate again i'm tired of this 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 is dumb so i just want to live yeah. mm-hmm. there's an there's another one that got me too uh it just showed some people on a street and they all just started running and mm-hmm. then you saw the atomic breath come in and they just mm-hmm. all get incinerated you know yeah. and uh yeah. 
you know, that was another one that just kind of made you think of the atomic bomb that was dropped on, you know, those two cities, you know, just mm -hmm. people living her life. And then so, yep. yeah, it's uh, uh, they also showed like the hospitals being overrun with, uh, oh, you know, yeah. that 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 cry that that little girl gives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. is so it's so strong. When they're taking her mother away. That actually affected uh, my kids. Did it? Yeah. They were like, are her parents like like they were asking, like it, it caught their attention, like they yeah. wanted to know what was wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, like and that's the importance of some of the scenes that Honda put in us that was really telling you like, hey, this is stuff that happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, these indiscriminate bombs that were dropped on our people. Mm. This is what happened to people like, you know, so often, especially, you know, being in this country, you know, we never talk about this kind of stuff. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're always the badass. <laughs> yeah. We're the badass. The mantra is like, oh, we 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 saved, you know, or we we ended the war with these two bombs. When in real, yeah. real reality, it was quite different. The war was already, you know, well yeah. on its way to ending. So like it was you, you get this you, you get this whole different, more um, humanistic side of things that I think was uh, really shown quite uh, effectively in this film. Right. And, you know, if you even if you can't wrap your head around like seeing it like that, you can you can still see it like they're just showing you this is what happened to us. And this is what this is what we're capable capable of doing to each other. You know, this can happen to anybody, not just Japan. Yeah, this is this is how we affect each other. Absolutely. So, yeah, that um, there's another scene that really kind of struck me. And uh, I think I saw that they got like 2000 schoolgirls in this choir together. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. That whole scene where they got all these uh, these girls together and were singing a song at the end. Mm -hmm. And they kind of like hung on that scene for a while. And it was yeah, it actually kind of affected me. It was kind of powerful. It, you just had this overall feeling of like youth and life and innocence mm -hmm. and and what we could all lose. Mm -hmm. Like if you if you don't stop this beast. Right. So. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of that stuff was just was just really, um, really well done in terms of like, you know, trying to get the the viewer of this film to be seen certain, you know, thinking of certain things at certain points yeah. in this film. Yeah. yeah. Heavy stuff in this movie about a giant monster destroying the city. It's it's great, man. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a lot heavier than I was expecting. Yeah. I imagine seeing it as a kid and not thinking about it much. Uh, I actually I only saw the American version for so long until I saw this movie and I was already at a, a somewhat mature age to understand these themes like truly and i was like oh, okay and the thing is is that pr pretty much by the next movie or two it get it the themes start to just go yeah. so the it, it's funny because you know hollywood does this too <laughs> uh because they 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 saw the line going into the movie theater and uh someone someone looked at them and was like so uh w when's the sequel coming right <laughs> they haven't even watched that and watched the movie yet they just saw the line so yeah, and they they made a sequel right away. Yeah, <laughs> it was like next. It, it came out like the next year. It was the following year. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Did Honda do the next film? He did. He did. He did okay. The Actually, let me. I want to say with confidence he did. No, he did not. Okay. He did not do the. He did not do the second one. But I'm pretty sure he did Kong versus Godzilla. He did several after that though, right? Oh, he did a bunch. Yeah. Um He did some bad ones. He did some really good ones. But yeah, yeah. So he he stuck around for a bit. Um, but yeah, Kong. Oh Kong. Uh, the 1954 original is like that's mwah, to the mm -hmm. world. So. <laughs> you know, there's another thought I had in this, uh, guys, and I'm gonna kind of see if you guys maybe picked up on this as well. When I was watching that battle in in Tokyo and just seeing the framing of Godzilla, you know, as compared to the rest of the cityscape and and in the bay and all that, I I really got this sense, especially like seeing the jets flying around him. Mm -hmm. I it made me think of Batman 
v superman the end <laughs> battle with doomsday mm-hmm. in it and it there was there was just a lot of like weird similarities between her and I, I was just really wondering you know is it possible do you think zach was you know cognizant of some of this and and maybe that was influencing the way some of those shots were framed in batman v superman i don't did you guys like, which is it is it when he's like going back into the ocean and he's swatting at the the, the planes as they're the planes and yeah yeah i think it was yeah. that was one and just the way it was framed it was very similar yeah with the planes coming yeah. down and you know it's doing like a front angle yeah. a side angle yeah and the missiles shooting off it could be yeah. <laughs> i don't know i thought more like king kong like that's just yeah yeah that which would have come out like 20 years before right. or something yeah. so yeah uh, yeah i just had this idea to just like it's just kaiju it's just it's yeah. just it's like what you see in a kaiju <laughs> film so it's yeah. Like, yeah yeah it was just i mean obviously the, those are your iconic monster films at the time and yeah and i just kind of feel like you know you know a, a filmmaker like Zack snyder i just wonder if maybe he just wasn't you know also inspired by these things because he surely would have seen him i'm sure he he was because he he takes he like uh, replicates shots in anniversary man from like all kinds of from excalibur and uh yeah. space odyssey so yeah yeah absolutely there's one other thing i was gonna say about this thing and i and i think i mentioned it uh within the last couple of weeks i can't remember where i was but uh talked about like how some of this japanese cinema is something i kind of like grew a little bit up on you know i grew up outside of chicago and chicago uh at least when i was a kid they used to get a lot of these japanese shows and so they would you know they would dub them with english and and they showed them on tv all the time on chicagoland tv and uh and i was trying to remember what the name of some of these were because and that's where i always like had this like this weird kind of like um appeal for some of this because i i grew up watching some of these shows and um the one of them i remember of course is like scott you mentioned ultraman earlier mm-hmm. um but there's yeah. uh space giants i don't know if you guys ever seen that one no that's not one that's not no that's no. not one yeah that was one no. that was one that i always kind of remembered but the the one i was trying to think of where the kid turned into a rocket and I oh the rocket ship <laughs> yeah that was johnny sacco in the flying robot <laughs> <laughs> i just i had so much fun as just a little kid you know watching these things because that was yeah. really my first really kind of like adventure type of shows that i'd seen and you know when you're wow. when you're at that age you know like you don't you know you just see you're seeing something kind of exciting and fun and like oh my god there's this gigantic robot you just like i was eating all that stuff up at the time see for me it was voltron yeah, yeah. The voltron well yeah. and it's also speed yeah. racer speed racer was another one you know at the time i i still love the speed racer vehicle you know that iconic looking vehicle that they had in a cartoon like all that stuff is it, it, you know it seemed like uh, japan cinema at the time like they they really kind of like keyed in on this like this this type of uh you know this genre and they they really kind of made something special out of it they they did man it took a life of its own mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh yeah it it, it exploded it, it it really did and uh, was it Godzilla actually makes three appearances on Ultraman. Mm, really? He, yeah, he he shows up uh, to to help Ultraman fight three times, separate episodes, I believe. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you picked this film. I, I had a ton of fun watching it. I I I am so curious now, like kind of wanting to go through that journey right now because I don't know how many <laughs> films they have on. I think Scott, you counted them up. They they only have the Showa era films. This is it Showa yeah, era okay. on HBO Max. Yeah. Okay. So you could, but you could, yeah. You, so you could watch all the old school. Good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, are there bad ones. Yeah, I think, uh, what what's the third one? Is that Mothra or is that Rodan? The third one? No, the third one is King Kong versus Godzilla. Okay, but King Kong wasn't available on uh, Stars, So is it available on HBO Max? It is on HBO Max, yes. Cool, okay. awesome, because I had to skip that one, which means I had to technically go into the fourth one. Mm. Yeah, That one, actually, King Kong, is a lot of fun. Okay. It's a hell of a lot of fun, that one. I've Just seen part of not, that one. Not, yeah. 
not just because it's these two iconic monsters fighting each other, but like the plot, <laughs> it it uh they it, it's a little similar to the original King Kong plot, and then but then you have Godzilla over here just uh just destroying everything, and uh, yeah, it, it, the fights are, are are cool. The final fight's great. Yeah, that's a really fun movie. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out then because I, yeah. I had to skip that one. So yeah, that's directed by Shiro Honda. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just kind of makes me think. Like, I, I feel like I could my kids would probably enjoy all these things like I did as a kid. Like, you oh, know, even yeah. the ones that like I would look at now and go, oh, that's just kind of awful. I bet you they would love it. <laughs> Honestly, the, the awful ones are great to watch just because of how ridiculous they are, too. Yeah, yeah. Just some of the stuff that happens. I, I remember watching with the, I was showing some of my friends because they were going all, all through, through them all with me, too. And uh, I was like, oh, man, you don't know what you're in for with this one. It's Godzilla versus Megalon. That's like that's peak bad, man. That's <laughs> like, And so I'm like, man, you, you think you've seen it? It's, it's going to hit you hard right here. And there's a yep. there, there's a scene where the characters are trapped in a crate and Megalon shows up and they're in a crate about to get tossed in, into the ocean. And so the crate falls and Megalon decides to slap the crate. And you see these guys fly in this giant metal <laughs> bin, just hundreds of feet in the air fall on the ground and it's like you should be dead but nope they just pass out and roll out of that crate yeah <laughs> and like nothing happened i'm just like oh, those guys bad. they're fine yeah, yeah. oh yeah they're fine yeah it's it's things like that but what 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 sticks with you though isn't really like the plot of the films what what always stuck with me was were the monsters the monsters are sure. so cool and like the backstory the crazy backstory that they had to come up with just to introduce these things and the powers that they have, yeah, that that's the more interesting aspect that everyone latches onto. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I've definitely got my interest. I'm gonna watch this one again, uh, just because I wanna, I want, you know, I need that second run through, and yeah. uh, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna start working my way through it as as uh, as quickly as I can. Yeah, Raise Against the next one and is is also very important for the the franchise as well because that's okay. the first one where he fights something. Oh right, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just genuinely interested. You know, it's uh, you've definitely piqued my interest. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll see if you get through all of them we'll see if that interest goes away real fast <laughs> it, 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 yeah maybe well uh, i tell you what we've gone through quite a bit as you know through our uh you know squad cast movies on patreon yeah. so it, i feel like the, i can get through them now the, the the seriousness is uh is there for for a while i want to say up until after after Ghidorah, the 300 monster and when invasion of astro monsters starts to come in that's when it starts to get a little a little out there because that's when aliens show up <laughs> yeah great so like if uh so we, if we have a listener that you know we've piqued their interest as well uh, aside from this film let once you give them two more films they need to check out uh in in this franchise sure or... yeah anywhere in the franchise all right well sticking with the theme of godzilla uh if you want to see a balls to the wall movie it's godzilla final wars that was supposed to be the epic send-off uh i like it uh some people don't because of how ridiculous it is but <laughs> i think it's cool um and then another one hmm. well you mentioned the one in space right space godzilla yeah but that's just because i i love the i love space godzilla i think he's like the coolest enemy <laughs> yeah uh but i think uh the fan favorite is actually declared godzilla versus biolante which i don't really understand why it's a fan favorite mm. but it, it's a pretty decent it's a good one yeah that was the actually the last movie to come to america oh okay so yeah my my collection was incomplete for a long time and it bugged me so much growing up <laughs> because there were two movies that weren't uh, released in the u.s and that was godzilla versus megalon and godzilla versus Biolante. Biolante was the last one and I remember getting 
and that being happy that it's complete then they decide to make more when you say your collection you mean like dvds or have you got everything yeah they they were dvds okay yeah i started collecting them when i was i think nine okay nine or eight yeah and that's just been that was a a goal of mine yeah that was like a lifelong dream of mine for a while that's awesome what's all what's all the godzilla stuff you collect you have like figures i've seen i have a bunch of figures (laughs) uh and uh the couple comics uh there's a really good comic era uh that i read through um there's uh that's pretty much it like i i, I just like the the toys and the, yeah. the figurines actually I, I kept all my uh my, my toys that i had as a kid and uh, they're all beat up now on my shelf yeah. don't ever get rid of them i can tell you right now like uh, i had no. all my star wars figures as a kid i, I wish i still had them yeah 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 there, there's a lot that I, I wish i still had but i knew godzilla i would never get rid of those things yeah. man no there's no need to they don't take up that they much go, space. a couple of them go for quite a bit now yeah. it surprises me too but yeah yeah oh that's cool well, I I say we're probably gonna wrap this one up, Scott. I agree. Yeah. Thanks for picking this film, by the way. I yes. like I said, I en- I enjoyed this thing. Oh yeah, that, I knew you would. Yeah. Like especially with like I said, if if you love film, you gotta watch this movie, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a gem. No, I, I definitely appreciate it. So, Josh, one more time, tell all of our listeners where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Real J Rocker and on Vero at Joshy B. Fantastic. Well, of course, you can find our show at DC Film Squadcast on twitter you can find me individually at scott dc 27 yep and then you can find me on twitter at alan fire and you can email us at dcfilmsquadcast at gmail.com let us know what you think of this film yeah we're on vero facebook our website is squadcastmedia.com of course just like josh here we want to thank all of our patrons over at patreon.com squadcastmedia for your continued support uh, you guys make this all possible so thank you so much and remember all uh, the show era all these early films they are available streaming exclusively at hbo max yeah all right. Well, thanks again, Josh. And and uh, and I would say to all of our listeners, please go out and check out this film. I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's a it's a piece of history for sure. Bye, guys. I mean, he started off this franchise in such a good way. It's amazing how much potential this thing has. But I mean, what happened in 1998? Uh, you know, 1998, uh, I think Roland Emmerich was just so hot off of Independence Day. He was like, man, I could do anything right now. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm gonna reinvent Godzilla. And I'm going to reinvent him by giving him a nasty tuna face, uh, stripping away <laughs> all of his atomic powers, uh, basically destroying everything that uh, was, was built up to him. And uh, I'm just going to... Uh, let him get killed by two missiles and we'll we'll have we'll have that be the end of that mm. so but but yeah. but you had matthew broderick doesn't that make it all better <laughs> no because he told them to act really poorly in that movie <laughs> so uh yeah no matthew broderick did not help at all in the uh, slightest well we have a remedy scott don't we we do it's a, a cure right a cure-all it's a, it's a cure-all yeah. certain things that just need to go we have a, we have something we can do so josh we give you the privilege to go ahead and put this film out of its misery they i mean they they blew up that abomination already, but I'll be <laughs> glad to blow up the whole movie. So, uh, yeah, it's this button right here, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs>